Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, where we discuss how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and we're coming at you from live from Holly Hill, Church of Christ. And tonight we have with us Joshua Fowler, minister at the Goodwood Boulevard, Church of Christ in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we're talking about transformation and prayer. And we're really excited to talk about that. So Josh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. And you know, you told everybody we're from South Louisiana. I feel like I need to change my accent a little bit. Maybe people uh, <laughs> expect a little bit different tone, but uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing really well. We're doing really well. Good to well, be good. here. Well, good. And I know you and I uh, were discussing about what you know it means to be, I guess, transformed in prayer. And, and we've been looking at you know Romans uh, chapter eight. And I guess we, we can look at that together and look at Romans chapter eight. And I'm going to pull it up here on my phone. In Romans chapter 8, uh, starting really in verse 26, is kind of where you and I were talking about earlier, where it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know how, sorry, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he and he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, that's a hard concept to, to understand. You know, when it says the Spirit helps us in weaknesses and we don't know how to pray, what, what times have you found it difficult for us, for you personally maybe, to know how to pray, to know what to pray for? Man, the, the list is endless, you know, for yeah. me. Um, it's, you know, one of the things I think that uh, maybe it's all of us, maybe it's, ministers, maybe not, maybe it's just me. Uh, there's this great feeling of um, inadequacy uh, for me when someone comes, whether it's in a, in a time of death or in a time of illness, you know, they come and they say, man, I really want you to pray, you know, for me. And, you know, you just kind of sit there and go, man, I don't, I mean, I know what to pray for, but you know what, there's this huge burden, right? This yeah. huge burden to alleviate the pressure that someone is feeling. Um, and, you know, for me, I just look at this situation and these people and the God that we serve going, man, what, what in the world is it, you know, in me that I would be called to be, to be a servant, to bring this kind of, a, um, uh, interaction, I guess, if you will. And so how do you facilitate that? Um, th those moments are huge and it's, you know, it's in those moments where I really just have to get outside of myself. And, and I come back to this verse a lot that says, look, you know, and people will ask me, how did you know what words to say? I was like, man, I didn't. I just, I, I just had to completely surrender myself to, uh, to the way the spirit moves within us. Um, and, and I wonder if part of it too is also the times where there is, there, there are just no words, yeah. you know, when, when it comes to some really private things or maybe some personal things, or maybe something that you might know what you, what ought to be prayed for, but you just can't, you know, maybe, maybe it's a loved one who's, who's suffering and you know, that prolonging life might be more for you than for, for someone else or, or, you know, and, or maybe it's something different. And I think at those times a prayer may be similar to just saying, you know, what's needed. And, and I don't know exactly what to say. And, and I think in those cases, this passage comes to mind where the spirit can help us in that weakness, a weakness of maybe not knowing what to say or weakness and not being able to say it just yet. And knowing God, you know what's best. And, and I, I, I don't know how you're going to make it out. I don't know how, what you're going to do. 
then I'm going to allow you to give you all that power, give you the control and, and give you, you know, my life. Yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a, a silence that I've really tried to incorporate more in my prayer of late, you know, where it's just like, you know, Josh, you need to, you need to button your trap for a little bit. You know, you, you talk all day long to all kinds of people and, and you talk for a living. Um, and I kind of hear God saying, when you come to me, it's not time for you to talk anymore. It's time for me to talk and for you to listen. Um, you know, and so I, I've really tried to incorporate some, some, some silence in that, in that prayer time, uh, which allows a couple of things. You know, it allows me to really sit in the stillness of who God is, you know, as if we need more of that right now, right? <laughs> yeah. So much stillness and so much, um, you know, solitude. Um, but it's one of the really positive things I think are going to see come out of that is people learning how to just be still. And that's a uh, spiritual discipline, you absolutely. know, and, you know, absolutely. stillness and, and solitude and, and just, and, and that's one that uh, those who know me know that that's not something that comes easy to me. In fact, I, I don't know if, if I have ever done it well, and, and it, it requires us to have a lot of patience and requires us to, to think maybe even outside the box or to, again, surrender to God and say, Hey, you know, I can't sit still. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to sit still because I have to do something. And uh, so it's, it's easy for us to then say, this is crazy. And that's kind of why the beginning choice was, could, could you do this for the rest of your life? Or what if you could never do it again? And those are unfair right. choices because no, they're, yes. both, they're both unhealthy. That's and, right. uh, and we have to find that balance. And as we're waiting for people in, in, who are watching to, to, chat, to chime in about what this looks like exactly. For the spirit yeah. interceding for us, the spirit, you know, you know, you know, then he who searches the heart knows what the, is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints. You know, while they think about what that means, maybe they can give some feedback. What that's hard to comprehend. It is. Um, I've, uh, you know, body posture doesn't matter, right? I mean, is your head bowed? Are your eyes closed? Are you on your knees? Are you prone? Um, you can pray anyway, but you know, body posture has a way of opening up the mind and, and the spirit. Um, and I tell you, I, I typically have had a tendency to pray like this. I'm trying to make not make that look so huge. And I, and I come to God with my hands open saying, okay, God, you know, here's what I need. And here's what I need you to do. There's all these things going on. Um, but I've got this closed fisted posture before God. Um, and, and what I picture is God looking down and saying, yeah, I, I know what you're asking for and I know what you need, but your, but your hands are closed so tightly. I can't, I can't fill you with anything. I can't do anything for you. And so as a, you know, the opposite of that is coming open-handed. The problem with coming open-handed is I don't have a grip on anything there. Um, and I'm completely opening my life up for God to not only add things, uh, but to remove things. Um, and as I was thinking about, you know, you know, my prayer life, the prayer life of, of our church, of our people, of my family, um, so much of our prayer is revolved around heal this person, make this right, heal our land, take this virus away, um, change, 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 change them, that, those, all of that out there. What if we understood prayer as, as, as a as a way of God actually transforming us to deal with and to cope with the situations that we are in. And that doesn't mean that we don't pray for healing. That doesn't mean that we don't go to God for those things, uh, but to allow the space for God to say, yeah, I'm going to do something with those things. But in the meantime, 
to do some massaging on you to prepare you to endure what lies ahead for you. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, when, when, when they were saying, you know, hey, our God is going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, right. we're okay. You know, I think it's also being willing to say, you know, here's what I want, God. And, and that's, that's expected. I think that that's perfectly fine. And in fact, I think that's even commanded for us to have that type of prayer life, excuse me, prayer life with, with God. But then to still have the humility to say, like Jesus did, but not my will. Yeah. You know, I'm okay with whatever you decide. Help me be okay with that. And, and that, that doesn't come easy. That, that, there's, been, there's only been a few times in my life where I've really seen my dad struggle with, with some of these things with God. One was when my grandmother passed away, his mother, and I was young. Um, the other is just recently when his younger, youngest sister passed away from cancer. And we had this conversation and I said, dad, you know, I use that example, you know, I said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego you know, they were willing to go into the flames. And he said, our God has the power and the authority to do this. But even if he does not, and he said, I know, but he did. He did redeem them from the fire. He said, and my question is, why didn't he save my sister? Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting on the phone with my dad asking me that question going, gosh, I don't have an answer for that. Um, but the truth is, you know, it requires that humility. If I'm going to say the prayer that even if he does not, I've got to have the courage and the humility to surrender everything to God that just says, I'm going to trust that you are going to transform me. If you're not going to redeem the situation, you're going to transform me in a way that's going to allow me to endure this situation in a way that brings you glory and brings you honor. Um, that's hard. Though. That's a scary prayer, brother. That's a scary, scary prayer to pray. Because a lot of times, like you said, it is about, you know, it's scary because of the unknown or it's scary because it's uncomfortable. And we don't like being uncomfortable. I mean, that's kind no of control. Definite, that, that's yeah. And for people who like control, that there's a thing. It, it's it's not the fact that I like to control things. I don't like to feel like I don't have the ability to, if mm -hmm. I need to. You know, if I don't know what's going on and I'm a part of something, it's hard for me just to go with the flow. Right. Uh, it's really hard for me just to be like, okay, cool. I'm along for the ride. I'm like, okay, what's the plan? That way, I can prepare and I can know what to expect. But just going along for the ride is very uncomfortable for me. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. But spiritually speaking, God, I know you have big plans for me. Mm -hmm. But I want those big plans to be my big plans. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And they can be. You're just going to have to conform your will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um. exactly. And, and I think, you know, because God does have big plans for us, as we're looking at this Romans 8 passage, you know, we can we can kind of jump down a few verses and he starts talking about this, again, another scary word, predestined. In verse 29, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You know, we, let's talk about predestined because that word, we don't like that word very much. Because yeah. there, there's so many different definitions of what that actually means. And it, because of some false definitions, I would say, we've almost shied away from even using this, even in a biblical manner. So, so what is Paul getting at when he says predestined? Is it, is it like an a unavoidable destiny that, you know, our life is only going to happen one way? And if we make one wrong decision, we've ruined our predestined plan God gave us? 
Man, look, I can't tell you how many times I taught through Romans and skipped this passage because you know, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, as a young, I wasn't even a minister at the time. I was just, you know, teaching at the church and I was a young man coming up. I'm like, I don't, I'm not prepared to tackle this because I know I don't believe in predestination as I have understood it. Yeah. But you read through this and you, it's like, you can't get around it. It's there. And everyone I would ask was like, well, God knows ahead of time who's going to make choices. And so those are the people he predestines. I'm like, yeah. That's a cop-out answer though. I mean, that just, that I never was really accurate. Sat, yeah. Right. And that, I mean, that never really sat well with me as, as still falling in line with what it means to be in a free will trust relationship with the creator. If he knows the choices that I'm going to make and he's going to allow me to, you know, do that anyway, and just be, it's like, I wrestle with it. And um, I don't know. It, I, I guarantee you this was not of my, my own epiphany that came. I'm sure someone kind of used this years ago as an example, but we were talking, I, mean, I think of predestination as a, um, they say a football game. Um, I can determine the winner of a football game every single time without fail before it starts. Um, I wish I could do that. You can. Because <laughs> the truth is the winner of every single football game um, that will, ever be played is when the clock says zero at the end of the, the fourth quarter at the end of the last overtime uh, the team with the most points wins um, now there are all kinds of things that you have to do to be that team but unless you're going to completely change the game the team with the most points wins every time um, and so God sets out this this plan that says look sin is going to enter the world and, and mankind is not going to be perfect so I'm going to provide for them a redeemer, my son, um, and all of those who will be conformed to his image through baptism. Um, these will be my people. And those who are going to conform to the image of my son, those will be the ones that I will call. They will be the ones I will justify, and they will be the ones I will glorify. And the cool thing is that set of rules doesn't change and hasn't changed ever. And so we get to choose whether or not we are called, justified, and glorified by becoming his people, by being conformed to the Son, by being baptized and being a part of God's people. Um, and that's really helped me understand that it, it brings in God's foreknowledge and his plan along with this understanding that this is, this is a plan that was set in, in place long before we came on this earth, uh, really at the point of the, of the garden, as soon as sin entered the world. The Bible even says even before creation. The plan of redemption was formed. Um, I would say that that expl explanation, that analogy of, of the, the concept of predestination can either be really scary for some people or really comforting for others. <laughs> you know, it could be really scary because, okay, you know, really, I guess really comforting because God said, okay, here's what you need to do in order to be transformed like my son. And that can be, okay, cool. There's a plan. It's clear. Here's what God expects. It might be difficult, it might be uncomfortable, but it's clear. Mm -hmm. For others, it's uncomfortable because it requires that change, that, and, that and transformation. And then we can't forget, I, right? We can't forget that it's all wrapped up in this, in this concept of understanding of, of the way the Spirit works and moves and transforms us, yeah, and intercedes for us. So. And and that and so that can be very fearful because then that means, but what about my life right now? What about who I am? You know, I'm supposed to like die to self. I'm supposed to be a new creation. 
what's that look like? You know, mm-hmm. who who am I like you like Jesus? I can never be like Jesus, and that can be very fearful. So and then, but Paul addresses that fear, and he he actually goes on and he says, "Well, what shall we say to those to all these things?" Right in verse thirty one, he goes, "If God's for us, who can be against us?" He's trying to offer that comfort by saying, "This might sound intimidating. It might sound like, oh no, this this has this is a lot of things to do." But he says, "But if God's for us, who can be against us?" He talks about his son. He talks about all these things, and then we can jump all the way down to verse thirty seven. And he says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors and we can conquer this, right? He says, through what? Through him who loved us. Mm-hmm. For I am sure, I'm positive, I'm confident that neither life, sorry, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That, that, that's a... a wonderful piece of comfort to address that fear i would say yeah i uh, i picture uh, my my middle school basketball team getting off uh, getting off the van um yeah i was in eighth grade i was i was probably four foot nothing i was a i was a little guy we were a team full of little guys except one of us um jeff lee was like six two you know tallest guy in the gym taller than most of the uh, most of the adults um you know, hey, if if you're walking into a middle school gym with that guy on your team, where all you got to do is throw it high and all you got to do is turn around and shoot a layup, man, you can't be beaten. Yeah. Um, you know, just a just a just a little little image there it says, look, what do we say? If God is for us, if God is for you, what in the world are you fearful of? Right? I mean, I mean, you're you're walking in to a um, to a little playground brawl with Dwayne the Rock Johnson as your bodyguard. <laughs> I mean, this, in, this in completely overshadowing figure, you know, that would dwarf anything around. And, and look, the, all of the things that we can come up with uh, that we can imagine, right? They, they just pale in comparison, right? Like, God is for you. God is for you. Why, why, why are you fearing anything in this world? There is nothing in this world that you have to fear. And he comes down, you know, this, you are more than conquerors, more than victorious through him who loved us. Um, you know, and I think about, you know, fear and such, you know, what, what, what is there on this, in this life that we fear more than death? Um, and I think this is pretty cool what Paul does here in, in, in verse 38 is he just, he just punches that human fear in the face. Um, he doesn't give this long list and say, oh, yeah, not even death can separate you. He starts from the very thing that we fear the most. And, and look, it's uncertain, right? I mean, none of us knows what it's like to die. Um, we haven't, maybe, there, maybe there's someone, okay? Maybe there's someone that has received that message. Um, we've heard stories of people that have been kind of on death's door and come back and some of the things that they've had. But still, there's this great amount of uncertainty. Um, of the experience of what is it like? What does it feel like? What does it look like? And because we've never died before, we don't know. And so it's this great unknown of living. It's like, what is it like to die? And, but Paul goes head on. He goes, I'm persuaded that not even death, right? And if death can't separate you from the love of Jesus Christ, from the love of God through Christ our Lord, I'm going to go ahead and list them all anyway, but I, I've already tackled the one thing 
Jesus already conquered the grave. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe he's like, hey, guys, maybe you didn't know it, but that tomb is still empty. Yeah. You can go back there today and the body of Christ is still not there because he's still alive. He still reigns victorious over the greatest um, conqueror that this life has to offer. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, you know, when we say, what do we have to fear if God is for us? I wonder if we still fear because we don't actually believe he's still for us. Yeah. You know, we, you know, who, who am I that God would actually be for me? You know, look at all these, these things I've done, or maybe it's the opposite. Do we actually believe he has the power to overcome all these things? We, we, we should know he did. Like you said, the grave's empty. The tomb's empty, right? And, and he conquered death. He's for us. And we're supposed to become like Jesus. And, and I think that requires a lot of different things, you know, obviously through baptism, through all these things, but also like, you, like we're talking about today, through prayer, where we have to say, God, I, I know I don't have it all together. I uh, please help me change and then be a and then be willing to be changed. You know, yeah, it's one thing right. to say, you know, it's, I can't tell you how many times I've asked for help. And then when someone tried to help me, I said, no, not that way. Yeah. And, you know, I want you to help me, but I want you to help me do it this way. Okay. Well, maybe it's not working for a reason and doing it this way is the problem. You know, right. too often I think that's how we treat prayer. God, uh, please let me do this, but do it my way. Okay, right. well, my way's always been the problem. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it is the problem. When one of the things that I wrestle with, uh, not only with myself, but with others, you know, is we have this phrase, um, you know, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Um, it's a it's a joke that we have, you know, in the, in the sports arena of, Somebody does something, you know, great. Ah, we're not worthy. And we think about earthly kings. You're like, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of this king. Um, you know, John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. Um, but the truth is, you are worthy. I am worthy. Uh, not because of anything I've done. I'm worthy because God has deemed me worthy. And he has said, let me tell you how much you're worth. My yeah. son came to die for you. Yeah. He went to the cross for you. Don't tell me you're not worthy. Yeah. This is my, my, my price, God says, my sacrifice, my son. And you're going to tell me you're not worthy? Yeah. Um, and, and we say that in, in a way of, of humility, but it's really, it's really not humility. It's really kind of discrediting what we find here. Hey, God is for you. Yeah. I he, tell my, yeah. He's your biggest fan, right? I, he's the I tell all my teens the same thing. I said, let's talk about value. I said, you have value not because of what you've done, but you have value because of the value God placed on you. Right. That's and he right. says, I have big plans for you, right? You can do great things. I, I value you because I don't just send my son to die for people that I don't care about. You know, he sent his son to die because he loves the world. You know, so again, it's not just about us. Now, are we, do we deserve what he's done? Well, that's a different, that's a different question. I think right. we'd all say, of course not. But are we worthy? Well, we're, we're only worthy because of the blood. And we can become worthy when we contact that blood. But, and because of what he's done for us. And because of becoming more like him. And, and that's, that's the scary part. That, that's the unknown part. 
Yeah. And I think about it sometimes with the, you know, like my wife sometimes will say, yeah, man, these, whatever, I don't like my hair. I don't like these jeans. You know, this, this makes me look this way or that way. And I say, Hey, don't talk about my wife like that. Um, And it's kind of what I picture God doing when we kind of belittle ourselves and say not, he's like, Hey, my creation, you bear my image. Don't tell me you're not worthy. My son gave his life for you. Don't tell me you're not worthy. Don't tell me that that that, that was all in vain. You're worthy because I say you're worthy. Um, and I think if, if we could kind of get to that, maybe we could understand a little more that, yeah, we do have a God who created the universe and everything we see is bigger than we can imagine, incomparably more than all you could ask or imagine. And, and he's your biggest fan. And, you know, maybe one of the things we need to hear most right now is... Uh, not only is he your biggest fan and not only is he for you um but he loves you and he loves you with a kind of love that we can't even fathom or imagine um amazing i think all the all that transformation all that pain all that um all that discomfort you know is not because he's a, a, a sadist um it's because he wants what's best for you and he wants what's best for me um, and that's what he's shaping and molding us into is the best possible form of us. And he knows so well because the spirit knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. And he created us and he pressed his image upon us and he knows what it should look like. Um, and that just takes some uh, courage and some humility and some maturity uh, to trust him with all of that, to surrender it all to him and to understand that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing. I- uh, I like that. I think that's a great way to end. So we'll go ahead and, and, and we'll start wrapping up. Um, uh, I'm so glad everyone joined us, Josh, and uh, it's been fun. And uh, But our time is, is over. And uh, again, thank you guys for joining uh, the Crossways podcast. And remember, we'll be here every Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. And Crossways is always brought to you by Holly Hill, Church of Christ, and Adventures in Ministry. Adventures in Ministry is a great resource with lots of lessons, uh, video series, and all sorts of stuff, guys. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Download the app. The app is well known for lots of things, but uh, there's a, a lot of songs on there, a lot of other resources, and we have some big news. In 22 days, on May 1st, there's some really big news. I can't say any more. All I can say is it's going to be big. So, guys, until next time, I want you guys to... Remember, represent Christ, and I love you guys. Peace, brother.